From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. This is your news for Thursday, June 23rd. Utah has a new state house district and a new challenger to a long-held Republican stronghold in southeast Utah. Democratic Party candidate Davina Smith is running against Republican Phil Lyman for the seat. If elected, she would be the first Native woman to serve as a Utah representative. Smith visited Moab yesterday to speak about her campaign. Justin Higginbottom has more on our continued coverage of this race. Smith spoke yesterday at Old City Park between sets by local band The Family Trade. Those that attended were treated with light showers and a break in the summer's heat. Good afternoon, everyone. Hello, Moab. How are you doing? On this beautiful day, I know for me, I'm always about water, so water is life and it's a blood vessel too. With us as human beings, but also for Mother Earth, it's her blood vein. So it's a beautiful day in my mind. Now, I know a lot of people were concerned about pickleball here, um, but I hope they're a little more understanding of democracy. Moab was previously split into two districts. The new House District 69 was drawn after updated census data. It's now about the size of West Virginia and includes all of Utah's national parks. It also covers San Juan, Grand, Kane, Garfield, and Wayne counties, as well as parts of Emory County and areas of the Navajo Nation and Ute Mountain Ute tribal land. And it is nearly 90% public lands. That means that all of us, Diné, Villagana, tourists, locals, pioneers, newcomers, share this land. Moab's Grand is the only safe democratic rural county in Utah. San Juan County to the south is more of a swing district. Its county commission is in Democratic control, but conservative Phil Lyman has held the region's house seat. Experts think the new district lines may invite more challengers like Smith. Now is the time to step up and make it possible for everyone here to prosper with fair wages, good jobs, a high quality education, and a healthy environment. Smith's speech touched on economic hardships in rural Utah, as well as education spending in the state. The Capitol needs to know that our children of rural Utah deserve public school with diverse programming and a quality education that will empower them. And that the teachers of rural Utah deserve more support to create safe learning environments. While visiting Moab, Smith heard about issues impacting this community, like affordable housing. So I want to make sure that our renters are protected. Um, and that's including that, you know, there, there's not an increase in rental hikes. So there's still more in that area that we are still looking to. She supports developing workforce housing and taxing second homeowners. And she had thoughts on another hot button issue in Moab, OHVs. I mean, I when I was out um, taking some video, I saw the rocks that have some black streaks and I was asking uh, my campaign manager, I'm like, oh, what is that over there? She's like, that's one of the Jeep tours. And coming from a cultural perspective, it broke my heart. But again, I can't come in with my agenda, but I can come in with a, a mindset of saying that we are guests here on this earth. Smith and Lyman are running unopposed in their party's primaries. They'll face each other on November 8th. Justin Higginbottom for KZMU News.
Mosquito expert Michelle Rabine is going through a presentation. So a mosquito will go through four life stages. So it starts with... There's an illustration of the biological anatomy of a mosquito projected behind her. She's training a small group of citizen scientists on the breeding and feeding habits of Moab's most pesky mosquito, the Aedes aegypti. This mosquito can carry viruses like West Nile, which is a concern for the local abatement district. It's just so ubiquitous and worldwide now. Um, we don't have a vaccine for West Nile virus either, so that's another big thing too, um, as well as a lot of the other viruses that I mentioned. Viruses like chikungunya and Zika, which the Aedes aegypti can also carry. But she says West Nile virus is the most concerning for local abatement staff. That's because it's just one of the most around and common uh, viruses that we have. Moab's Mosquito Abatement District wants to be proactive in detecting and reducing the possibility of disease. Rabine explains it's the adult mosquitoes that bite and potentially infect people. So abatement districts try and head that life cycle off by monitoring sites where mosquitoes might lay eggs. And this can be a major challenge when one adult female mosquito can lay a lot of eggs in water as shallow as a teaspoon. The females can lay up to 100 eggs at one time, but they can lay up to, I think, three times in their life cycle. So that can be a lot. And then if you think about how many actually hatch and emerge, then that's just, yeah, hundreds and thousands more that are just going to be out. And yeah, we don't want that. And that's where the citizen scientists come in. I want to see what we can do to reduce the exposure to disease and control the spread. Jim Collar lives on a property that backs into Mill Creek. He and a few others at the training have volunteered to help the abatement district by monitoring mosquitoes on their own property. They'll do this by using a simple trap, a plastic cup filled partway with water, and a popsicle stick. Each trap will be checked once a week, for mosquito eggs. Yeah, so with the community members bringing back the, you know, the popsicle sticks, we're able to see where exactly the adult Aedes aegypti mosquitoes might be laying their eggs. So if there's a particular source that they're just kind of um, localized around, we're able to pinpoint that and go there and help to inspect, drain any standing water, other type of measures that we might need to take. And it also just helps with the overall surveillance data um, for the district. If mosquito eggs are identified, the first step the abatement district will take is to eliminate standing water in the area. The Aedes aegypti can breed in any small container. Kids' toys, a birdbath, pet dish, an old tire after a rainstorm. If abatement experts identify a breeding habitat, larvicide can be used to treat certain spots. Fogging with chemicals to reduce adult mosquito populations is the last resort. It's not well received with residents. So Rabine hopes the Moab Mosquito Project will give community members more agency when it comes to detecting and eliminating mosquitoes before they establish adult populations. Collar says he's looking forward to the project in his own backyard. I'm interested in the concept of, of citizen science. I think it's a great idea. Citizens can contribute a lot. And I think mosquito abatement and mosquito control and monitoring is important. Rabine encourages more participants Anyone interested in being a citizen scientist with the Moab Mosquito Project can contact her at michelle at moabmad.org, and it's Michelle with one L. 
I think the more people in the community that we can get involved with this project, the better it's going to help not only the abatement district, but also the community in the long run, um, especially if we are getting these invasive mosquitoes like Aedes aegypti. Um, the more, the merrier in terms of humans helping, not mosquitoes. And so we would love to have whoever is interested um, in wanting to participate with this. The Utah Office of Tourism and the Nature Conservancy released an informational guide last week helping visitors learn and find activities centered around the Great Salt Lake. As Amy Van Tatenhove with our partners at Utah Public Radio reports, the guide comes as the lake faces mounting ecological crises from drought and water overconsumption. A new online guide titled Great Salt Lake Needs Your Visit is looking to help tourists and locals find fun and educational ways to engage with Great Salt Lake. Larissa Bowen, a writer and marketer for the Nature Conservancy, says the guide was created in light of declining Great Salt Lake water levels. With the lake facing this dire crisis, we get a lot of people asking the Nature Conservancy, what can I do to help? And this guide is about reminding people that one simple thing they can do is to go visit the lake and learn about why it's so important for people and nature. Rosie Sirago, a design and content strategist with the Utah Office of Tourism, says the guide extends beyond the borders of the lake. Part of what makes the guide effective is that there are locations like our state parks highlighted, which really gear towards an immersive nature experience. But then there are other organizations that take place in our more metropolitan setting and, you know, really showing that the impact of the lake and organizations that are supporting it aren't even necessarily contained to the contiguous borders of the lake, but extend into the community. Sarago hopes the guide will help educate the public about the ecological crisis facing the lake and will inspire people to give back to the environment. We actually see this guide as taking a step into regenerative tourism. It's really the idea that if visitors travel a certain way, they can actually leave a place better than they found it. So it's almost going beyond leave no trace. With Utah Public Radio, I'm Amy Van Tatenhove. This report is from our partners at UPR. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, June 23rd. Get your community-powered journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.